remain standing this morning and uh, turn to 1 Peter chapter number 5, and we'll let you be seated in just a moment, 1 Peter chapter 5, unless you're not physically able to stand, and we understand that, but I'm so thankful to be in God's house, aren't you, this morning? And uh, I know we've had a lot of folks that are sick and some that have been getting over this stuff, and so we want to continue to pray for the church. And uh, I finally gave yielded today or this week and went and got me something to kind of get get over this stuff. I reckon I've had it about four months and thought, well, it just ain't going to go away. And so uh, I finally went and got something, but I know a lot of folks are sick and we are praying, but uh, let's give it all we got. Amen. Ain't God still good to us? Yeah. Amen. So don't sleep while I preach this morning. Give me some amens, and it'll help both of us this morning. First Peter chapter 5 and verse number 1. The Bible said, The elders which are among you I exhort, whom also an elder, and a witness of the suffering of Christ, and also a partake of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's bow for prayer, then you can be seated. Our Father, we want to thank you once again for being in the house of God. Thank you for the good singing that we've heard this morning and the presence of God in this place. And I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. I pray, God, that you'll give us liberty. I ask you, Lord, if you would, to help us, God. I pray that you'd give us that ready turn of thought and mind. God, touch our spirit this morning and help us to preach with the unction of the Spirit of God. I pray that you'll draw sinners to the foot of the cross. And Lord, reclaim backsliders. And God, may we all leave this morning with our batteries charged and fired up to do more for the glory of God. I ask you now to be honored in all that we'll say and do and we'll thank you for it. We ask it all in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen, amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to preach a few minutes this morning on this subject, on the signs of a spiritual church. The signs of a spiritual church. Now, uh, when you think about a spiritual church this morning, uh, there's a lot of things that people would label as a spiritual church. And it's sad that in our day and time, uh, people used to drive by a church and they would say, well, uh, that is a good, they'll say that's a good church. And some will drive by and say, well, now that over there is a great church. That there was a time when people would drive by and they would say that is a spiritual church. Friend, you can have a good church and you can have a great church uh, and not have a spiritual church. And can I say a spiritual church this morning? It cannot be uh, measured by its size. Amen? Uh, listen, a lot of times people look and say, well, we've got a big crowd and let's have a spiritual church. But the size of a crowd does not determine whether or not that church is spiritual. Some will say, well, got a little crowd, so therefore uh, God must not be doing much. 
much uh, and we don't have a spiritual church. But can I tell you, uh, some of the best churches that I have ever been in uh, have not been great magnitude in size, uh, uh, but they were small in number, but they were great in spirit. Amen. And so the size uh, of a church does not determine its spirituality. And then the success of a church does not determine its spirituality. You see, a church can have a lot of money in the bank. It can have a large membership. It can have wonderful facilities. It can be in a great location. It can have everything it needs to function and to operate, but that is not one of the signs of a spiritual church. And then I want to say the status of that church is not how you measure a spiritual church. In other words, you don't look around across the congregation and see who is in the congregation as to determine whether or not it is a spiritual church. I want to tell you, friend, I've been to churches where everybody looked the same, everybody acted the same, everybody dressed the same, everybody taught the same. And while I do believe that about membership, I think in every church you ought to be able to look around and you ought to see a long-haired hippie somewhere. You ought to see somebody tattooed up. You ought to see somebody that don't look like us, don't act like us. You say, why, preacher? Because, friend, a spiritual church is willing to get their hands dirty and go after the lost no matter the cost. And they ought to always be somebody here, my friend, that is in need of salvation. Amen. And so a spiritual church is not measured by its status, nor is it measured by its service. Amen. You see, a lot of times we mistake spirituality for working. And so you can have a church that can work itself to the bones, uh, have plenty of plans and programs and promotions, uh, and I'm for every bit of that, but we can work ourselves physically to death uh, and not have any spirituality. That is not what God measures a spiritual church by. In fact, if you were to go and to look in Revelation 2 and chapter 3 and study the seven churches of Revelation, what you would find is, is that many of those churches have these things that that I just mentioned, but they were lacking in spirituality. Amen. You see, a spiritual church will be a scriptural church. Can I get a witness right there? And a spiritual church will be a strong church. I believe that. It'll be a suffering church. Not everybody in the community uh, will like your church. Uh, if it is a spiritual church, uh, uh, listen, a spiritual church uh, will be a separated church. Uh, and my friend, uh, it will be a soul winning church. Isn't that right? But these are not the signs uh, of a spiritual church. Uh, the signs of a spiritual church in First Peter chapter 5 are marked and measured by two things this morning. I want to say number one, it is measured by the pastor. Somebody say amen. You see in these first five verses of scripture this morning, when you think about, uh, listen, a spiritual church, what Peter does uh, is that he mentions the pastor and the pastor is a sign of a spiritual church. And what I mean by that is that the church can go no further than the man of God. The church can rise no further. Listen, if the man of God is not gonna be spiritual, then the church will not be spiritual. If you've got a carnal pastor, you're gonna have a carnal church, amen? 
If you've got a lazy pastor, you're going to have a lazy church. Amen? And what Peter does here is he lays out some things concerning the pastor. That's what God measures a spiritual church by. He measures it, number one, concerning this pastor about his role. As he said, the elders which are among you, I exhort who am also an elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Amen. You see, my friend, if you and I are going to go to a spiritual church, then the pastor has to understand his role. In other words, the Bible calls him an elder. And that means that he is to fulfill the 16 qualifications in 2 Timothy chapter number 3. Those qualifications deals with his finances, they deal with his flesh, and they deal with his family. Amen. And if a man of God is going to understand his role, he's got to be able to govern his own flesh. He's got to be able to rule his own house. And he's got to be able to control not only his finances, but the financial leadership concerning the church. Amen. And that is the role of a pastor. In 1 Timothy chapter number 6, listen, Paul encouraged Timothy to be an example in six things. And it was in faith and charity and purity. And he mentions those things that the man of God, he ought to be an example in the way that he lives his life. He ought to live a godly example. He ought to live a pure life. He's not going to be sinless, but he ought to live blameless. Amen. He ought to live his life above reproach so that he doesn't bring a stigma on the house of God. Somebody say amen. And so we've got an example. We're to be an example in faith. Amen. Uh, the man of God is to exercise faith in God. Uh, the people can trust God uh, no further than what the man of God is willing to trust God. And so there's the role. And then there's the responsibility. In verse number two, notice what he said here. He said, feed the flock of God which is among you. Now, one of the responsibilities of the man of God is that he is to study to show himself approved unto God. Isn't that right? A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so the man of God is to feed the flock. He is to give them a steady diet of the word of God. He is to preach evangelistically. He is to preach to the church. He is to preach expository. He is to preach topical. He is to preach with a burden. He is to preach and have a working knowledge of the Bible. He is to memorize the word of God in his heart that he might not sin against God and he is to study and to be able to rightly divide this book. Amen. Now I'll be the first to tell you this morning I do not know everything in the Bible. And any preacher that would tell you or act like he does is lying. Somebody say amen. There are things in this. Somebody asked me a question not too long ago and I said, you know, I don't know but I said I'll study on it. And it's a great day in my life when I realized it was okay to say I don't know what that means. Amen. Because I'm glad I've got a book I don't have all the answers to. Amen. I'm glad I've got a book that I can study a lifetime and still not know everything that's in it. Amen. That means the God that I serve and the author of this book is far more knowledgeable than what I'll ever be. And friend, a man will study a lifetime and be a student of the word of God the rest of his life and will still not even touch the hem of the garment of all the treasures that God has placed in this book because it is alive. But the responsibility of a man of God is that every time he goes to the pulpit he is to have a word from God and he is to have the word of God amen you see you can have a word you can have the word of God and not have a word from God 
You say, how is that possible, preacher? Because, listen, a lot of men are preaching truth. And thank God for truth. Amen. But you know what? We don't just, we need the truth. But we need timely truth. And what that means is, uh, is that we're to preach the truth, but we're to find the truth that God won't send for that particular service. Amen. Sometimes we'll hit it. Sometimes we'll miss it. Sometimes we'll never know. But we're to do our very best, uh, and our responsibility is to make sure that we spread the table of the Word of God. And you preachers, uh, hear me, you're to be a student of the Word of God. Uh, listen, we're not to just get up and just say, Lord, fill my mouth. Uh, no, we're to know what what that book says, what it means, and how it fits our life. Amen. And I think when people come, they don't want to hear, they don't come to see a personality, they don't come to see a performance, amen, but they come to hear what thus saith the Lord God. Amen. You're not interested in my opinion, you're not interested in what I believe personally, but you are interested in that book. Somebody say amen. And that's what I'm interested in this morning. And so a spiritual church is measured by the pastor understanding his role, understanding his responsibility, and then understanding his reward. Amen. Notice what the Bible says in verse number four the Bible says and when the chief shepherd shall appear you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away amen, amen. now the man of God the Bible says is to take the oversight not by constraint but willingly that means the membership is to support the pastor and to follow his leadership and that's a great responsibility on a pastor if he understands that, he realizes that he has to be prayerful and careful in every decision that he makes because it not only affects him, but it affects the lives of those that are a part of that church and ultimately will affect the community and even in eternity. And so he has that responsibility to take the oversight. And the Bible said that he's not to be a filthy lucre. He's not to be in it for the money. Somebody say amen. He's not to preach to get rich. If you pastor an independent Baptist church, you ain't never going to get rich. But you're not to get your eyes on the material. You're not to get your eyes on the financial gain. I remind myself that it's God that signs my paycheck at the end of the day. Amen. So there's the responsibility. There's the role. And then there's the reward. I like what the Bible says here. And when the chief shepherd shall appear. You know what the reward does? It reminds the pastor who the chief is. Amen. You notice Peter being an elder himself put in there and when the chief shepherd shall appear. The reward reminds us that it's not me, it's him. Amen. It's not me running the church. It's him operating the church. It's not me, uh, listen, leading the people, but it's me following God as he leads us all. And that is the reward. And the Bible says here that the reward reminds us of the chief. It reminds us of his coming, amen, that he shall appear. A man of God ought to be spiritual every day of his life and carry the responsibility of that church because, friend, here's why. We're living in a day and we're living in a time when Jesus, 
Jesus could come at any moment. And when he comes, I want him to find me faithful. I want him to find me doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And don't you want to be faithful when the Lord comes again? I don't want to be halfway serving God. I don't want to be in it for the money. I don't want to be in it for the paycheck. I don't want to be in it for the prestige. But friend, don't you want to be on the front line? Don't you want to have a spiritual church when Jesus comes again? Amen. My prayer for this church, it always has been and always will be. When Brother Ellis was preaching the other night and he was talking about if you could have one thing, if you could ask God for one thing, as a pastor I knew immediately what it was because it's always been in my heart is that Bible Baptist Church would maintain as a spiritual church. Brother, I'm telling you, listen, I appreciate the facilities and I'm glad we got a house full this morning. But that stuff, listen, does not mean near as much to me this morning as it does to have a place where the presence of God is real. Amen. I'm telling you to hear the choir sing, oh, look, what I traded for a mansion. I'm telling you, it wasn't the words and it wasn't a song, but God just reached down and touched that song. Amen. I'm telling you, I'd rather have a place uh, where I know God is uh, and where God's moving uh, and where God's working uh, than to have a pile of money. And there's nothing wrong with a church being financially blessed. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but I'm saying, friend, it's not about the crowd. Uh, it's not about these facilities this morning. Uh, it's about being in a place uh, where we feel the moving uh, and the drawing. Uh, of the Spirit of God in every day of my life. The Holy Spirit reminds me of the responsibility that is upon my shoulders. That, son, if you defile yourself, you'll cripple the church. If you go to the left, you'll hurt the church. I'm saying this morning, a spiritual church is marked by the pastor. Amen. And secondly, this morning, a spiritual church is marked not only by the pastor, but the people. In verses 5 down through verse number 11, I want you to see here this morning that he lays out three things, three charges for the people. And he tells us in these verses, he tells the pastor how to lead in verses 1 through 4, but he tells the church how to live. Amen. And I think if the pastor will lead right and the church will live right, you can maintain a spiritual church. Can I get a witness right there? That doesn't relieve me from the responsibilities of living right. Uh, but what it means is, is that the responsibility of leadership is on the man of God's shoulder and the responsibility of living clean and keeping the church pure and holy is not on the pastor, but it's on the people. Amen. And can I stop and say this this morning? If we're going to have a spiritual church, then that means we have to have a clean church. Somebody say amen. I'm not talking about lost people. I'm talking about every member of this church you have a personal responsibility to do inventory of your heart and your life and if you're living in a manner that grieves the Holy Spirit then you're responsible for hindering the church amen and it is not the answer to say well I don't want to hinder the church so I'll just go somewhere else and join another church where I can live a little bit looser oh no friend God will never bless you for that and you listen if you're saved listen the, the, the plan of God in your life is not to go somewhere else but to get right and to live clean and to live holy and to live pure in the eyes of God. Amen. Now the church had more power years ago when she lived cleaner. If there's anything the church is under attack in 2017 it is this is that we're living in a time when people do not want to live clean anymore. 
Now, as I've said before, we can't live sinless, you know that. But we ought to every one of us live clean. And how we do that is not by just a little bitty list of a few things that make eases our conscience. But how we live clean is by getting in the Word of God every day, spending time in prayer, spending time in the Word of God, having a personal devotion and opening our heart and saying, Dear God, if there is anything in my life, if there is anything in my home uh, that displeases you, then will you show me that today? And today I will, re- I will yield to that and I will abandon it for the glory and the honor of God. Friend, you've got to do that every single day. If all you have is a list of about 10 things you don't do, Listen, that doesn't make you spiritual, amen. If you're going to live for God, then what you've got to do is you've got to take a bath every day, amen. You know, I was in a meeting this week and I heard that in the state of Kentucky, a preacher said this, I'm assuming it's true, but I'll quote what he said. He said that in the state of Kentucky, it's a law that a man has to take a bath at least one day out of the year. Now, I don't know if that's true. I didn't say it. I'm just quoting uh, what a preacher said. And I sat there and I thought, man, is that true? If it is, I wish Georgia would pass that law. Amen. Because some people think they don't need a bath. Amen. And uh, have you ever been around that? Uh, I mean, some people think they're okay. They've smelt themselves so long that they don't smell anything. But the rest of us do. And you get around somebody like that, and I'm not being ugly, but you think, man, listen, you can be poor, but you can still be clean. Somebody say amen. It don't, soap don't cost that much, isn't that right? And if you'll stand under the water long enough, you'll at least smell a little bit better. But you know what? Some people, they've lived dirty for so long, they just get used to it. And so it is in a Baptist church that people live in sin so long. Maybe they're not drinking, smoking, and cussing, and doping, but they're living those little sins of the heart and those little sins of the life that the Holy Spirit used to deal with them about. But now they become numb to those things and they no longer hear the voice of God Hey, friend, if you want revival, if you want to be spiritual, you've got to clean out the little things in our life. Because it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Amen. And what does he say? He tells us how to live. He says, live as a servant. Notice what he said in verses 5 through 7. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves. Now, notice this. It does not say unto the elderly, but it says, submit yourselves unto the elder. If you want God to bless you, the first sign of spirituality is that a member will submit to the pastor. And I'm not talking about dictatorship and I'm not talking about man worship this morning. But I'm talking about if you want the blessings of God, just fall in, join a church, get under a pastor, and go in the direction that he feels like God wants him to go. As long as he's operating in the bounds of the scripture, and there'll be times when your faith may be tested, but his faith is being tested as well. But you're to follow that man of God, and you're to live as a servant. You know what a servant does? He obeys those that have the rule over him. He doesn't talk back to that authority. He doesn't go home and run down that authority. He doesn't go home and sit around the table and say, well, I don't like what the pastor did here or I wonder why the pastor didn't do this or why he didn't do that. Hey, if you had to be the pastor one week, you'd never say that again, I promise you, because you would find out it's a whole lot easier sitting in the passenger seat than it is in the driver's seat. So you live as a servant. How do you live as a servant? You live in submission is what he says. You submit to that elder. And then uh, notice what else he says. He says, uh, and yea, all of you be subject one to another. You know what that means? That means even the pastor is to live as a servant. 
You know what I am today? I'm a servant. Amen. There's that position that deserves that respect, but at the end of the day, I'm serving God and serving you, and you're serving me, and we're serving together. Is that not the way a spiritual church thinks? Uh, To me, all a title is, uh, is it tells your responsibility and what you're supposed to do. It's not something, a platform for someone to stand on and to wear as a badge. Uh, And I say that because if you're a Sunday school teacher, it's not your Sunday school class. Uh, It's the Lord's class. Amen? If you're a singer, it's not your instrument or your song, it's the Lord's. Amen. This is not my pulpit. This is God's pulpit. Amen. And I say that because it keeps us in the right frame of mind. If we'll remember that every time we serve God in that capacity. Be clothed with humility. Why? For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. A man asked me this week, he said, could you give me some advice about pastor? And I said, I don't have a lot. And I'm being honest. I said, I, I don't have, I said, you need to go talk to somebody who's got more gray hairs than I've got. And I've got about three. Amen. Don't you come talk to me after church about my gray hairs. You can come talk to me. But I, I said, I'll tell you one thing. I said, maybe this will help you. I said, in pastor, I said, don't ever be confident and don't ever be casual in what you're doing. I said, the day those two things come in your heart, I said, you get in trouble. I don't care how many times I walk to the pulpit, there's a fear comes over me every time because I know that the souls of men are weighing in the balance. That there's a work that I cannot do. That God will have to do it through me or it will be of no avail. And I don't ever want to be comfortable. I don't ever want to get to the place where I coast. I don't ever get to the place where I can't pull the trigger on something. I had an older man tell me, he said, when you can't pull the trigger on sin, when you can't pull the trigger, he said, when you get to that age in life, he said, resign. He said, you're done. He said, you've reached a point. He said, when you're, you can't take it anymore physically, and certainly that is true. And I want to say this morning, we have a responsibility to be clothed with humility, not to be proud, not to be arrogant. I thank God. Don't you thank God for this church? Amen. I thank God for his blessings on this church, but I don't want to be so foolish this morning as to think that it'll always be this way. What God does today, he could never do again if we are not careful and prayerful, if we don't always push ahead, if we don't always set our sights on something bigger and something greater, if we just come in and sit down and take it for granted, it can be gone in less than 30 days, friends. Oh, I appreciate him, don't you? I need him this morning. Hey, I'm glad I'm in a church where the preacher preaches past 12 o'clock. Somebody say amen. Say, what time is it? It's right on the nose. Amen. Uh, But I got about 10 more minutes of preaching me this morning. I'm just simply saying this. uh, uh, We didn't get a plan. We didn't get a program when we come in. Uh, I tell you what, we need more than anything else. Uh, We need to be reminded uh, that we're servants of the Most High God and this is the greatest business in the world uh, and we ought to give our best. Uh, We serve the King of Kings uh, and the Lord of Lords uh, and he gave his best uh, and every day of our life we ought to be thankful for a good place to come to church. Now I say this all the time wherever I go and I can certainly say it about this place is that I can be in a church in one service and I will tell that congregation a lot of times that for every for every one thing that you can tell me that you can find wrong with your church I can tell you ten good things. Amen. There's been a few places I couldn't say that 
But I'm telling you, most of the time, here's what Satan will try to get us to do. He'll get us to focus on something we don't like about the church. When there's so many good things we ought to be thanking God for. You know, if I come in and the air conditioner don't work, I'm, I, I want to go over and get a hammer and knock that thing off the wall. You know what I'm talking about? Because it's not working, Brother Keith. But the fact of the matter is, i got a good church to go to. And there's like seven other units in this place that God has blessed us with. And a little bit of heat on a Sunday or a little bit of cold should not damper my spirit. I'm just using that as an example this morning. I'm simply saying it doesn't take much to distract people in this day and time. Somebody speaks wrong to you at a church and they'll say, well, I just don't know if I'm going to go back there. Yeah, but what about the other 199 that treated you like somebody? Amen. Somebody gets their feelings hurt. Well, Brother Dave Terry forgot to put my name in the bulletin and it was my birthday. And I'm telling you, Brother Dave... Uh, you would think he's retired uh, he don't have anything to do but sit around and try to figure out whose name needs to be in the church bulletin you know if I, I, I I've never heard that complaint and thank God I hadn't because if I ever did that section is eternally gone in this place amen can somebody say amen I mean, who really cares if it's my birthday? Amen. I mean, listen, uh, you don't care if it's my birthday that much. Uh, it doesn't change your world. Let's just be honest. Uh, I mean, it's nothing wrong with saying happy birthday uh, and happy anniversary. And I say, thank God we ought to do that to people. But if somebody forgets it, I'm not going to go sit at the house uh, and say, well, you know what? I'm the pastor in Bible Baptist Church. Uh, I mean, not one member came up and wished me happy birthday. Boy, aren't we having a great time this morning? Boy, I hope you're more spiritually mature than that. You say, why do you say that, preacher? I just use that as an illustration and how easy it is to find something. The devil is a master at taking something so small you can't see and magnifying it and making it big and 99% of it ain't even real. You know why he does that? He wants to affect our spirituality. But if you're living as a servant, you know what servant means? It just means whatever I'm told I do. You know, I go in the board meeting at Rock of Ages. I don't ever say anything about that, but I've been there about three years. They have two board meetings a year, and I walk in there, and here's my mentality. Whatever Dr. Ellis wants to do, sign me up for it. Amen. Amen. I mean, I'm not, I'm not there to, I mean, I'm not saying if he wanted to go to the Bahamas that I'm going to vote for that, you know? If he got up and said, let's all go to the Bahamas for a week and spend 30, I'm not going to do something stupid. But what I'm saying is, I figure I'm not there to work against him. I'm there to support whatever God lays on his heart. I'm not bearing the burden. I'm not bearing the load. That's not my responsibility. So if God, if he says God told him to do something, unless I got a verse of scripture to go against it, I'm saying, have at it. Amen. You got my vote. That's just the way a church ought to operate. And it works so much easier. And God blesses that. And you listen, the Lord takes care. And that's the way a servant is. Live as a servant. And then he said, live as a soldier. Notice what he said in verse number eight. He said, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Or to live as a soldier. You know what a soldier does? A soldier in verse 8 recognizes his enemy. He knows who the enemy is. The enemy is not the other church member. Is that right? The enemy is not another preacher down the road. The enemy is not the brethren. 
The enemy, my friend, is the, is the devil. And when Jesus looked at Peter and Peter said something that Jesus didn't like, he didn't rebuke Peter, but he said, get thee behind me, Satan, amen. He recognized who was working behind Peter and he knew that Peter loved him. Oh, that we could do that in this day and time in a spiritual church. The sign of a spiritual church is that the congregation will live as servants, but they'll live as soldiers. They recognize that the enemy is not the bread not the church. In other words, they'll do everything possible to keep division out of their church. Let's say, let, let me say that this morning. Do you know how you can be a blessing to this church? Work hard at getting rid of division. Work hard at squishing criticism. Work hard at, at keeping things on the positive side. Some people want to all the time talk about the negative. Say, well, you know what? We'll just pray about that. But let me tell you something good. Amen. If somebody calls your house and says, well, you know, so-and-so in the church, what do you think about them? Say, well, let's just call them and get together and I'll let you talk to them about it and we'll all get down on our knees and pray together. Friend, that'll be the last phone call you ever get if you do that. You say, what is that? That's endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bonds of peace. That's what the Bible says. We're to do our best to pull each other together, to pull in the same direction. We can't do anything for God a kicking and a scream and pull in a different direction. You say, preacher, have you heard anything? No, I'm just preaching the Bible this morning. I'm just telling you how to have a spiritual church is we got to live as soldiers and recognize who the enemy is. Amen. Now, because whether you believe this or not, at the end of the day, guess what? You need me. And I need you. I need every single one of you. I need every one of you. I need you this morning. I need you. We need each other. Some people say, well, we need more young people in our church. We just need the people God sends to our church. It takes everybody. You need some kindling like that over there. But could you imagine if that's the only crowd I had to pastor? That'd be a hard crowd to pastor, wouldn't it? Come on now. Y'all ain't mad because it's after 12 o'clock, are you? Okay. All right. Could you imagine if this is the only crowd I had to pastor in a church? I'm telling you, y'all may not care, but y'all would need to pray for me. Amen. You know why? Because they can't pay the light bill. Isn't that right? They can't make major decisions. They've got their place in this church. Thank God for young people. But I'm going to tell you something. Thank God for some gray hairs. Thank God for some moms and dads that work and pay the bills. It takes everybody, doesn't it? I'm talking about a spiritual church takes spiritual, spiritual people on all levels. I, I believe these young people are spiritual people. I believe they're in the struggles of their life like every teenager. But I also believe they have a heart for God, want to serve God. But at the same time, listen, we need spiritual young people that'll come to church, sit on the front row, dress right, look right, act right, love God. Amen? But you can't survive just on them. Amen? It takes other people. Hey, listen, older people, I pray that every one of them keeps going, that their health and their strength keeps going. I know that maybe they can't do some of the things they used to do but we still need them isn't that right that's why we give them the closest parking place in the house because they haven't wore they haven't wore out their their usefulness in the church as long as they can put one foot in front of the other and when they can't do that if they'll let us push them in we'll push them in amen they're pillars of the church they're backlogs that burn they've walked with God it's them hoary heads that have prayed the fire down and if they can't do nothing else but pray for the service 
oh, how we need their prayers. We need everybody working together, but we got to live as soldiers, amen. You know something about a soldier, one of their mottos is once a soldier, always a soldier. Once a Marine, always a Marine. Soldiers are a soldier to their death. I wonder how many of us this morning would see that in our Christian life. Would you be a faithful soldier to your church till the day you die? Would you be faithful to church as long as you can put one foot in front of the other? Now, if you stay home over a sniffle when you're 30, you're not going to do that when you're 80. Can I get a witness? Y'all are so serious this morning. You're making me nervous. Listen to me. <laughs> Listen to me this morning. If you don't know how to endure for your church and be a spiritual saint when you're in your 20s, in your 30s, in your 40s, you ain't going to make it when you get older. It's missing today. You got to learn how to carry the load when you don't want to carry the load. You got to learn how to just go on when the flesh says stay home. You got to learn how to pray when you're so tired you don't feel like praying. Y'all know what boot camp is, don't you? God will put you in boot camp if you're going to walk with him. There's going to be times when you're going to say, I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like reading my Bible. And the Lord's going to say, I know you don't, but I want you to this morning. I want you to right now. You know, I took Brother Green to the airport this morning, and he was in town preaching somewhere else. And I said, uh, hey, I said, I'll take you to the airport. Don't worry about that. He said, I said, when you got to go? He said, I got to go Sunday morning. I said, okay. I said, well, that, that's fine. I said, that'll be good. I said, that'll get, I'll be up. And so I said, what time you got to go? He said, I, I need to leave the house at five minutes to four. <laughs> Pull that clock back up. Amen. <laughs> I said, okay. And so uh, I got up this morning. I took him to the airport. I came back and I thought, well, I'm not going to read and pray. I'm going to go back to bed. And the Lord said, no, I want you to read this morning. And I did just what I'm preaching to you about. And I preached to myself. I said, God, I'm, I'm tired this morning. I said, can I just go to bed? God said, no, I want you to read and pray this morning. I'll help you. And I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't sit down at the kitchen table and just heaven filled my soul. I didn't, I didn't even get it. I read, I prayed, and I didn't really even, really didn't even get anything as far as I know. But I did what the Lord told me to do. It ain't always been that way with me. I'm not trying to portray that. But I'm just simply telling you, that's what that older generation has. That's what I want. That's what I want. That's how I want to live for God, don't you? I'm not telling you I always hit it, but that's how I want to hit it. When I get older, as long as, you, as, long as they can get me in the door, I'm going to go to church. Amen. As long as I can get a hold of the sides of that pulpit. And I got something to say. I want to say something. It may not be as long and it may not be as loud. But this is how I want to die. I want to die preaching. I want to die with my hands still on the plow, don't you? 
I tell you, I'd like to come down to the end of the road, Brother Danny, and see him standing there saying, come on, plow one more row. Preach one more sermon. That's how I want. That's how your daddy left out of here. You know why he just kept going and kept going? Because soldiers never die. They never quit. They die with their hand on the plow. Is that how you're going to die? We have the laziest generation of people I've ever seen when it comes to serving God spiritually. And I'm not fussing. I'm just preaching this morning. You say, preacher, are you putting the pressure on? Oh, yes, I am. I'm putting it on myself, and I'm putting it on everybody in this building this morning. Because we just come out of a three-week revival, and hadn't God been good? And I tell you what I don't want to happen. I don't want the holidays to squish it out of us. Spend time with your family, enjoy all that. But I tell you, it ought to not make us weak. It ought to make us strong. Let's start a new year. If God lets us see 2018, let's don't back up. Amen. Let's push on for God. Maybe the last year we got, maybe the last chance we have. This may be the year that your children go further for God. If you push harder for God, this may be the year God does things in their lives that changes it for eternity's sake. But you've got to suit up and go on if you're going to be a soldier. And I'll say this in closing, live as a sufferer. He says in that last verse, after that you have suffered a little while. He tells the duration of suffering. It's just a little while. And then he talks about the dynamics of it. It makes you. Look what it makes you. I don't remember all the things he put there, but he'll tell you, it'll make you what, Brother Laddie? Perfect, established, and settle you. It'll make you perfect, established, and settle you. You know what suffering does? It puts stability. It puts steadfastness in your life. They, I remember them telling this. Um, about a family member of mine. They were talking about their physical condition and some of the suffering. And I remember the doctor saying this. I'll never forget this. When he told that condition, now boy, it just kind of took me back for a minute, but then he said this. He said, don't worry about that. He said, they have built up such a tolerance of suffering that the pain that they that would just about knock you and me out because we're not used to it, They've lived with it so long that it's not, they can endure it. That it does not, they're not, they're just used to it. And you know what I thought about? That's how God does us in life. If I could pick the Christian life, you know what it would be? It would be a flowery bed of ease. Isn't that right? God don't do that. You know what God will do? God, little by little, day by day, year by year, decade by decade, he turns the pressure up on us just a little bit. Now, he's not doing that because he, does, he wants to be mean to us. You know what he's doing to us? He's making us stronger. See, there's things God knows you can endure in your 40s you could have never endured in your 20s. But if you don't learn how to do it in your 20s and your 30s, you won't be fit when you get in your 40s and 50s. You say, preacher, what's the end result? The end result is you walk in one day to a place that used to have the power of God. But you look around and it's not here anymore. You see, when God measures, when He looks at Bible Baptist Church this morning, He's not looking at the size. He's not looking at the success. He's not looking at the, the, the standards. He's not looking at, and all those things, all those things are important. But He's not looking at that. You know what He's looking at? Two areas. He's looking right there at that pulpit. He's looking right here at this pew. And the signs of a spiritual church 
Peoples and the pastor of the Peoples. We stand this morning. I know I preached longer, but just had a burden this morning. I want to stay spiritual. I want to always have a place to worship. I always want to have a place where God, where I can hear from heaven, where God moves. You just can't put a price tag on a church. I'd rather, I mean this, I'd rather every material thing I have burn to the ground right now and still have my church. I mean that. You can always find a house to live in, a car to drive, clothes to wear. But I'm telling you, friend, to find a church where God is moving and working, there's just no price tag on that this morning. As Brother Brian leads us in this song, if you need to come, you obey God this morning.